Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Ben Solak of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, we're giving him the day off on the podcast because he is working overtime right now, trying to write the greatest mock draft the Draft Network has ever produced. He wants the record. He, he wants the record for page views on a mock draft, and I hope he gets it. Uh, I have the record by a very, very substantial margin. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I would love for nothing else than for Kyle to to beat my record. So make sure that you check out his mock draft, which is now on the draftnetwork.com for your reading pleasure. And, uh, and, and Ben, we have brought in the wonderful Ben Solak. You guys always want more Ben. You get more Ben today. Ky- uh, ben, welcome to the show. I didn't know that they wanted more Ben. But, yeah, no, Kyle's mock is sick because it's the uh... – it's one of the first ones on the new site with the new interface, which is really cool, and the linked players and the embedded mock, and it's really neat looks, and you got the logos up, and so it's a lot like cleaner of a look, which we're really excited about. Uh, sources say NFL Network's feeling threatened because it looks real clean, <laughs> just like theirs. Um, but also, the, when you set the mock draft record, there was something else. The, John had a post, I can't remember what it was, that went really well that day, and that's why you broke it. You got some help on the outside, if memory serves. The, the numbers of my mock draft in comparison to every mock draft that's ever been lit, written on the Draft Network, my last one, it is, there, there, there's, not, there's literally nothing you can say. It's that so far ahead. Do you realize how much further ahead it is? It's like DK Metcalf running a 4 3 3 at 228 pounds, baby. It's a lot like that. Ben, we are going to talk about offensive recap of the combine today. But before we do, uh, you do a lot of things for the Draft Network that maybe people don't know about. Obviously, you you write a lot and, and those types of things. But you have really worked hard on developing our Twitch yeah. strategy. And so can you tell the listeners what Twitch is, what we're doing, and why they need to be excited about it. I mean, Twitch is super sick for our purposes, Joe, because more than any other, I would say, NFL or college football media, our nature is interactive. Because the draft only happens once, but so much preparation goes into it, there's so many questions, there's so much behind-the-scenes stuff, and Twitch is by far our most interactive platform. When we are doing a Twitch, when we are live on Twitch, you are seeing us visually, you are hearing us talking, we're doing... We're doing different show concepts, like Guess the Scouting Report, like Drink, Not Drink. And these are shows that you get to get involved in. You're there in the chat while we're on the Twitch. You're giving your guesses for the games. You're asking us questions for the Q&As. You're interacting with us as we react to, to Combine Times. Twitch is just a really fun place for us to interface with you very organically right there immediately. And so twitch.tv slash the Draft Network is the spot. There's a ton of sub perks for you guys. There's uh, sub-only chats and there's enters raffles to win the new uh, $100 gift card to go to the new Draft Network store. And there's exclusive video content and there's a ton of hype and there's a ton of fun. So Twitch is something we're really excited about expanding. It's going to be something we continue to do more and more throughout the draft season and in years to come. It's a lot of fun. All right. Let's talk about the Combine. Let's talk about... Kickers and punters. 
Any, okay. Anytime you... No. Okay. In the words of Joe Marino, I don't know if this punter has the speed I'm looking for in the position. <laughs> I'm very passionate about my punters. All right, let's talk quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting quarterback group, right, coming yeah. off uh, a year where we had five first-round picks. Uh, we're not sure how many we're going to have, probably two or three. But the guy with the most buzz didn't do anything besides weigh in and have some uh, some media interviews. And, and I'm talking about Kyler Murray, who's... Yeah. Really, there's a lot of buzz with him potentially being the number one pick to Arizona. Don't want to dig into that too much, but it's interesting that everybody – and John, I don't want to take credit for this because John Ledger said this. He weighed yeah. in at 207, or, and he's 5'10", 207, yeah. 5'10 and an eighth. Yes. And everybody totally went crazy over this, this weigh-in. And John Ledger put it best. He said, well, he went from the zero percentile for size at a quarterback position – to the zero percentile to the size of the quarterback position. Yeah. What do you take away from, from what we saw and didn't see from Kyler this weekend? Right. So, number one, is very clear from the beginning. You know, Kyler decides to come to the combine. Like, he's officially on the list. I don't remember when, but it was ages after the, you know, like, like we expected in terms of like, oh, he showed up there on the list. He's confirmed coming, but his de- declaration process was so late and there's so much confusion. You knew he wasn't going to be fully trained. You know, like, like his over-under for the 40 was set in the four threes, and he didn't yeah. run, but I smashed the over on that because simply you don't train quarterbacks to run really good 40s, even if they could run in the four threes, especially on the time crunch you're on. So, okay, Kyler masked up, right? That was his number one goal. He comes in over 205, and that's great. But the thing is that, like, if, you, if you're just a, a, an NFL fan and then you come to the combine to learn heights and weights NFL teams have been checking out the heights and weights of these guys since the fall they've been asking team sources they, they get their play weight every single game they get their their height during fall training they got it during spring training last year when they knew they could potentially be eligible so everybody knew Kyler was around 5'10 we, we knew this you know what I mean like, there was no significant discrepancy there was no big lie he comes in at 5'10 and an eighth and there's no way that's a big victory as compared to five nine seven eights. It's a quarter of an inch, and it really doesn't affect his game. What matters is his ability to throw at that height at which he's been as a person, right? Yep. So that simply is. So yeah, he comes and he weighs in. He hits you know a five ten benchmark, a two a two hundred, a two hundred five benchmark. Sure, that looks great. At the end of the day, will it in any way, shape, or form make him more successful at the NFL level? No, it has really no effect. The thing about Kyler, and I said this last week, and maybe there was some people had some weird takeaways from it, but the reality is if you're drafting Kyler Murray, you're punting the size component of it. You're saying we don't care about it. Right. And so the least important thing he, he came in and did was weigh himself. Now, here's the thing. If he's substantially more heavy than we anticipated, then run. Prove to us that you're the right. same athlete at 207 as you were at what we believed you were 190 or 195. And that wasn't in the cards for him. And I'm not sure if he'll ever run. Yeah, and, and it's the fact, like, you know, there was that, that mention around him that was, oh, like, you know, I probably won't throw, but there's a chance that, like, you know, once <laughs> I get out there, like, I'll just decide that I want to throw. There's just, like, there's so much narrative around Kyler because of how his process has gone to this point that everything he does is contrived and terribly examined. And if you want a, a shining example of that, look no further than Trevor's question to him. Trevor Sigma asked Kyler, half in jest and half in legitimate interest, if you weren't doing football – what would you be doing for a job? It's a question that we ask a lot of prospects. Mm-hmm. It's fun to hear their answers. Coaching, you know, AJ Brown said he'd be a sportscaster. Other guys have like legitimately off the field interests, which is great for them. He asked Kyler that. Kyler had no idea how to respond, denied answering the question, took another question, then came back to Trevor and said, Coaching, 
which none of that is authentic. He'd be yeah. doing baseball. We know he would because yeah. he was drafted top ten to play baseball. So everything about Kyler now is a performance. It's all about how he's viewed. It's all through the lens of this, that, and the other thing. We're just we're not going to get an authentic look at him. The best we're going to understand as far as his personality and ability to lead the team is going to be what comes through the grapevine, which in and of itself is already not trustworthy. So Kyler's pre-draft process is unique and inexplicable. Shifting gears to the players who did participate at quarterback, I think right. the interesting theme when I think about the the group as a whole is there's not a lot of buzz. Right, there wasn't wasn't anybody that came and said, "Wow, this guy threw the ball really well." You, you tell me the last combine we had where two of the quarterbacks present were asked to, tr- to practice in different <laughs> positions. When was the last time? Defensive that back being one of them. Defensive right. back and tight end. Right. I mean, like that just tells you what we have in this quarterback class right now. Uh, Haskins was smooth, right? I mean, he was fine. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, Haskins can, can throw the ball well to all three levels of the field. Did I learn anything about him right. I didn't already know? No, you know what I mean? Like, I'm watching Drew Locke and Daniel Jones be super late on the on the Poco route, the post corner, which, you know, the, it, it's, a, it's a five-step drop and one hitch to throw, and they're taking two hitches and they're waiting <laughs> for the break. It's a throw they've never attempted, you know what I mean? I said, I told everybody the best thrower I saw was Ryan Finley. And yeah. Ryan Finley probably threw the most multi-break routes in college, and he looked the best throwing them here at the combine. Yeah. He also... It has a weak arm and isn't necessarily well. He's a better mover than I thought. Yeah, he's yeah, four yeah. seven four or yeah. something. Didn't expect that. Maybe yeah. he's got a weak arm. He doesn't have a huge frame. Obviously, he's, he's good between the years. Maybe he's backup potential. But this was not a class where there were there was enough talent, enough like polished talent to be super interesting. The most interesting thing was was Tyree Jackson running a four five nine or whatever he ran. That was fun. Yeah, didn't expect that and. Um uh, I think Tyree's probably a player that the, some teams are going to fall in love with the tools, and he'll yes. probably go higher than he should. Day two. And he'll be interesting. He'll be one of those that we uh, – a case study, if you will, that when we reflect back on this quarterback class. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Much more fun. Is, Much more Is there anything – do we need to talk about anything besides DK? Let's actually, let's actually have a good discussion right. about DK because he did historically great things in terms of his size and a lot of his testings, but – it seems like lost in a 4-3-3, 40-yard dash, a ridiculous jump, bench press, all this stuff sure. is his agility. The 20-yard short shuttle, the three-cone. Ben, what are you doing with that information? Right, and, and it's funny because I was given the wide receiver write-up, and I said it, it's, it's simply not a problem to me because at the point where if you have a guy who's just – he's not the snappiest through his breaks, and obviously it's really nice when wide receivers can snip, snap through breaks. Like That's fun to watch. You can see the easy separation. It's very easy to scout and see. We knew off of film that this was a guy who was taking six steps to get into a comeback. It's the reality when you're stopping 228 pounds that's moving at 4-4 speeds on the field. When you want to stop that weight and get it back, it's going to take some steps. It's going to take some time. But eventually, we have to start talking about a player who's big enough, strong enough, and fast enough that even if he's not the quickest through his breaks, it's still really freaking hard to cover him, right? Like, why does a three-corner short shuttle interest us in terms of separation? When you go on DK Metcalf's film, he can run away from any corner. He can release from any corner of the line of scrimmage with physicality. So, sure, you probably don't want him running blaze outs, okay? But you don't want most receivers running, you know, post-corner posts. You know, like, you know, that's reserved for the best route runners. It's okay for a guy to not be the best route runner and still be a wide receiver one at the next level. Uh, Trevor Sigma brought up Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a limited change of direction player. He's also one of like three players <laughs> in the history of the league to have five 1,000 yard seasons to start his career. Yeah. Like, we can do it with DK, guys. We can pull it off with the 4 through 3, 228 monstrosity. We can figure it out. You and I were talking about J. Jaw, J.J. Arcega Whiteside from, yeah. from Stanford, and 
It was interesting uh, because I was kind of dogging. Maybe it was Kyle. I'm sorry. If it was Kyle, then it was Kyle. Right. But what we, him and I were talking about his speed, and uh, maybe we had some concerns about it. And the reality was with receivers, there's so many different ways that you can use receivers. Yes. There's so much space. There's so much variety. Not that I don't think DK's a fine route runner. Mm-hmm. But if you can't tap into those traits and find right. ways to be very productive, mm-hmm. then you just I, – I, I can't. Listen, we, we, we love to say in scouting, you know, figure out how the player wins. It's not hard to figure out how DK Metcalf wins. Now, if you want to convince yourself there's a way he loses because he <laughs> ran a 4-5-3 cone, then fine. Go for it. Like, talk yourself into it. It's to your disservice. The guy is an unbelievable straight-line athlete. There's no way you can't find a dominant role for that in the NFL. I'm sorry. I'm just going to send you to Brad Kelly's timeline, his article he wrote for the Draft Network. Right. Uh, you can have your, answers, your questions answered through that. I want to mention Terry McCorn. You like him. You this really guy's like him. I, really. I mean, you think about from the point. I mean, from the draft season, Senior Bowl, Combine. Now, checking boxes, man. Checking boxes. He, he, he was tremendous at the Senior Bowl. Really detailed route runner, showing good hands. Uh, you saw a lot of burst. You validated the speed with the you know a terrific time. He ran was a four three five. Uh, 37 and a half inch vert, ten five broad, seven zero one three cone, four one five short shuttle at two zero eight. Outstanding, and he's a big time special teams guy, which is football huge. character guy. So right. when you think about your third, fourth receiver, this is what you want, man. And right. so I think that he's he helped himself probably as much as anybody over the last three months, having not even played a football game. Yeah, listen, and there's anybody else who helped himself just in a huge quantum leap. It was Miles Boykin, yeah, who decided to come out with a four four two forty over two hundred pounds. This is a guy who was setting records up with Emmanuel Hall in the vertical jump and in the broad jump. That led the class six seven seven on the three cone, four oh seven on the short shuttle. I mean, we're talking about the the third and second highest jump marks in the mock draftable database right now. You go back to his tape. And, and and maybe we're maybe we're really just we don't understand Notre Dame at all at all. But it felt like last year Equinemius St. Brown was a good athlete for the wide receiver position who had some really nice catch radius ability and he just was underutilized. I'm watching Miles Boykin film and I'm looking at myself, okay, the guy doesn't really know how to run routes. I'll give you that. But he adjusts well to the football. Really strong hands outside of his frame and he can do this. How are we not getting we, he's blocking? Like what are we doing here? So I don't know. It's another Notre Dame receiver that I feel like could be more than he was in the NFL. Boykin not more than day three, but he wasn't even on radars until he put out this performance. Real quick, don't want to go too deep here, but I wish Kelvin Harmon and Riley Ridley, two receivers I liked a lot going into the event, they really didn't show the athleticism yeah. I was hoping for uh, to really pound the table for those guys. So I think their tape's good. Really excited more about Harmon, but just would have liked to see better numbers. Yeah, the key, dif- the, the key difference is we needed a reason to excuse Ridley's lack of production. Right. And we leaned on, well, he's, he's an athlete, so draft him higher, be better than the NFL. Fell, poor performance. Calvin Harmon really didn't do anything that bad. Right. It's just Hakeem Butler had a great day. AJ Brown had a great day. Nikhil Harry had a pretty good day. DK Metcalf had a great day. Calvin Harmon just didn't really do anything. So relative to the top of the wide receiver class, he fell just because he was not as strong as the other guys. Ready to talk tight ends? Always ready in this class. I'll talk about any tight end you want. Iowa, right? The, the, the factory. The, the factory of Iowa has produced the top two tight ends in this class. We confirm right. that. With uh, with Noah Fant and uh, T.J. Hawkinson, were able to do at the combine. I mean, Fant was just 
terrific, right? I mean, across the board numbers, a little right. bigger than maybe we thought he would be. 250 was huge for him. Yeah. I'm happier he came in at 250 and tested below some of the crazy numbers we've heard for him rather than the 240 he potentially played yeah. at. Like, I heard like he was going to run a sub four short shuttle. Well, he ran like 4.2 or something like that, right? But at, two, two, two. at 250, I prefer that. And then coming in at 240, like a lot lighter than Evan Ingram. And, and, and running, you know, like a sub four short shuttle. So, yeah, big weight and then carried it really well. Huge win for Noah. Yeah, 6'4, 249, 33 and a half inch arms, 4'5, 40, 20 bench press reps, 39 and a half vert, 127 inch broad jump. What's that? 10, 10 7. 7, baby. 6'8, uh, 1, 3 cone, 4'2, 2 short shuttle. Boxes checked emphatically. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. TJ Hawkinson, man, it's, here's the thing about TJ. He had a great day, too. He was just a tick below on uh, yeah. all the tests. But here's the thing like, if you went into this event thinking TJ Hawkinson was the number one tight end over Noah Font, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Nothing changes. Yeah. We, we, we confirmed what we saw for them on film. And uh, different tight ends, a little bit more balance from from Hawkinson. You get a little more juice from Fant, and a, you obviously a drop off in, in blocking. So uh, I don't know how you can make a case for either, somebody else not being one of the top two tight right, ends. Right, which the only, I think the next best guy was Irv Smith out of Alabama off yeah. tape, and he had one of the weaker days, kind of in a Kelvin Harmon way. Not terrible, but not as strong as some other guys. I will say with Hawkinson and Fant, exactly. Whoever is your tight end one probably still is. My, what interests me is this. I felt this way off of their film, checking them out. I saw them live against Northwestern, and I felt this way seeing them at the Combine. Though Hawkinson was wearing one of those baggier shirts, you can add more weight to Hawkinson than I think Fan. I think Fan's pretty much maxed out around the high 2.4s, around 250, whereas Hawkinson's got real broad shoulders, real broad hips. I think he can take more mass if you want to take a 251 guy and make him truly a brawler in line. So that's a bit of a physical advantage for Hawkinson. Everything else 
you know, Font's obviously quicker, more explosive, whatever. The, the the other big guys, the two big ones that stand out, everybody loved them were Foster Moreau out of LSU, yep. and then this Kahale Warring out of San Diego State, who Warring was a guy that we got, you know, a sniff of like, you know, 10 days before the combine. Led, John Ledger said, hey, maybe this guy can play. Drop problems on tape, drop problems during the combine, during the receiving drills, but his testing was tremendous. And Foster Moreau as well. This is a big body dude, 253 pounds, 6'4", and he had great dynamic testing, which you didn't really see on his LSU film just because of what he was asked to do. So he has the potential to be a better NFL tight end than he ever was at the college level. Poor went out for Isaac Nauta and Caden Smith. Oh, I mean, failed. They just failed. They Isaac, failed the test. Isaac Nauta shocked me. I Horrible. could not have seen that. Especially coming. because at the press conference, him and I talked about his testing, he said, I'm going to jump high and I'm, I'm going to run in the four sixes. Have you not practiced? Have you not checked it out? Like, were they lying to you I, on I, stopwatch? I, what, uh, I mean, I, let me see these numbers. Four, he's 6'3", 244, which is smaller than we thought because he's actually a good blocker on front. Right. So maybe he got even smaller so he could test better. 4'9", 28-inch vert? Death null. It's a death null. It's a fail. 7'4", 5'3", cone. He failed. Jerry Tillery ran that three cone at 300 pounds. <laughs> it's just a fail. And then Caden Smith, who uh, didn't he, – he te- his testing was pretty much on par with Nauta. Maybe not quite as egregious. But the thing about Caden Smith is he's not a good blocker. Right. So And we're, we're talking exclusively a body control contested catch guy who we now know really for a fact can't separate his film and his athletic testing both lead you to believe that they can't. And he's a weak blocker. So we're talking about a tight end two ceiling. So, you know, field stretcher seam buster. That's pretty much all he's got. Listen, if you want the guy at the seam, it's Jay Sternberger or it's the Warren. Those are the two you want to target. Let's shift our gears to the running back position here. Really excited about Justice Hill. Yeah, uh-huh. you guys liked it. I know you and Kyle both like Justice Hill a little more than I do off film. Yeah, well, he came in 4-4, 40-yard uh, dash, really tested, really solid across the board, 40-inch uh, vert, 10-10, standing broad, 21 reps, two and a quarter. Uh, you see a guy that I think this is the player. This might be a hot take. You ready for this? Bring it to me. I think this is the player everyone thought Devin Singletary was. See, I like that a lot because while Hill still gets chased down on film the same way Singletary does, Hill also has some really juicy, juicy moments where he's, he's, he's flitting in and out of space that I just never really saw from Singletary. Um, who are your standouts for, for running back? Yeah, no, Miles Sanders has to be the one who I think really won the day. And simply, when you have a guy who's going to tear up the three-cone drill, he's going to have the best three-cone out of everybody else at 211 pounds. I mean, a sub-six-nine time is ridiculous. And it illustrates a player who, what we, you know, what we thought he was, the explosiveness in his hips, in his glutes, and in his quads, when he's able to drop his hips, play at really crazy angles. His best trade on film, in my opinion, was his ability to link moves together to make the second guy miss after he made the first guy miss and that comes back to body control and ridiculous flexibility that's illustrated in the three cone and then you throw in the fact that he's jumping out of the gym which you expect off of his explosiveness listen it's always so funny because if there's no Saquon Barkley Miles Sanders is a multi-year starter and he's setting records for weightlifting in that Penn State room but because of what Barkley was doing ahead of him he had very little time and he also doesn't have any of the records because Barkley beat him out the other thing that I love about Sanders on the film he lines up in the slot they, Penn State really gave him a, a high degree of routes to run. And so you know you can get him involved in the passing game as a third down back. Physical specimen, got to develop his vision a little bit. But he came in, confirmed expectations, and the rest of the class was pretty weak. So he stands out in comparison. Can you address the Elijah Holyfield thing? Because you, yep. you, you wrote a piece about him, and I 
Kyle and I both like him a lot. You like him a lot. Yeah. But then we had what happened on Friday. Just terrible, right? Which, what, what, what it comes down to now, which is kind of how I ended, and you can find the piece and all the film work on the Draft Network, you know, what do we do with Elijah Holyfield's combine is the name of the piece. Where do you value a running back? Who's not going to hit a home run? That's where we're at. Like I think Elijah Holyfield better than any back in this class. He's my running back too. He's only behind Joshua Jacobs, but better than any running back in this class. He turns three yard plays into six yard plays, and six yard plays into ten yard plays with his field vision, with his patience, with, with his quick footwork, with his good change of direction, with his finishing, with his physicality. He really maximizes positive yardage. But I mean, I went through trying to find his biggest runs. And there's a run where he gets chased down from behind by a safety from Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> all right? Like, we went to his weakest. We're going to a game against Missouri where he has multiple opportunities to break into the third level, open up his stride, and try to house it. And instead, he shorts his stride and tries to look for a cutback. He's always looking for contact, to change direction, to get behind a guy. When he gets green space, he doesn't want to go there. And that just illustrates a guy who just doesn't think he can hit home runs. He doesn't think he can open the tank. He did, like, And this is a, a guy who ran track in high school. So we thought he was going to be good off the blocks. He's faster than a 4-8. He's going to run better than a 4-8 at Georgia. But he's just not a home run hitter. And, and, and in the NFL that's increasingly throwing the football and it's throwing to set up the run or whatever you want to call it, you need your running back to be able to house the runs that he breaks into the third level. And that's just not Holyfield. So I don't know where you value him. I really, it's a tricky, like, I love his film. I just don't know what he brings. Yeah, and, and the fact that he doesn't really catch football, yeah. kind of concerning. He, now, he pass protects. I give him that. But he's going to be kind of one of those niche Blockers, short yardage, barrel, you know, get, get the tough yards, but uh, just limited, limited athlete. Just is what it is. Any other thoughts on the running backs before we shift gears to the offensive line? Uh, just highly disappointing in the in the speed times and in the explosiveness times. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really super thrilling. Daryl Henderson, I thought, underwhelmed. A guy people thought was going to be super fast. Miles Gaskin disappointed me. Damian Harris just remains so steady and so consistent. He'll be a guy who provides value you know, on a first contract. Probably doesn't get a big second one, but he's a fun player regardless. Offensive line, I'll take uh, the lead here. A couple of guys, centers, that I thought really – did what I thought they would do, but you want to see them do that and really solidify themselves as what I think are you know top top fifteen, top forty picks somewhere in that range. Interior offensive line is always difficult to project unless you're Quentin Nelson. Uh, but big facts, <laughs> Quint, uh, Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State. I mean, uh, what a day! Four nine two forty yard dash, thirty four bench press reps, seven four one three cone, which is just unbelievable. That's the thirteenth highest. All time for an interior offensive lineman, uh, and his tape obviously stands out at North Carolina State. Really amazing zone blocker in the run game, and then Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. I did his yeah. eval, did his eval a couple weeks before the combine. I actually put a tweet. I said we need to talk more about this guy. He is a stud, and he's an athlete. On top of that, he checked in really well. Four eight nine forty yard dash, uh, twenty nine bench press reps. Really explosive guy. I think this is the kind of player that a team can target and really feel comfortable with him being able to block in any scheme. Uh, and he did it in the SEC, so he's got good tape. I thought his, his tape against Quinn and Williams was about as good as I've seen anybody hold up against Quinn and right. Williams. So uh, you need a center, man. you got a couple good ones here to pick from. How do you convince yourself to draft Greg Little in the first round? In the second round? I mean, we were, this, was Keep a, going. <laughs> this was a guy who we were talking about as a top 15, round one, first tackle off the board sort of a guy. He turned out poor tape. 
against, and we realized this when we were going through it, some of the weakest competition in the SEC didn't get Josh Allen in terms of against whom he was rushing. Didn't play, I think, no, they, they played play at Alabama this year, but he had Isaiah Bugs, who he's majorly dealing with. Isaiah Bugs masked up to over 300 because he was never an edge. And then there was some other good SEC rusher that he didn't have to handle this year. So against weaker competition, bad tape, he's supposed to be trading on his athleticism. He has the second worst vertical jump. He's got like the third worst short shuttle or something. His 40 time is dreadful. It's in the five threes. I mean, this is just a guy who, what his calling card was supposed to be, he totally whiffed. He's, his stock's been on a downward trend since pretty much the season started. And now in a tackle class with a lot of talent, Andre Dillard, tremendous short shuttle, great reps in terms of his movement skills and then the agility drills. You have Cody Ford, Jonah Williams, Joan Taylor, all of whom were either like as good as expected or better in this, in this training, in this combine. I just don't see how you draft Greg Little anywhere near the top of the class. Um... Can I mention Chris Lindstrom? Oh, Boston please. College. Chris Lindstrom is still, I mean, like, Chris Lindstrom is going to be a top 20 player on my board. Yeah, a very easy player to figure out, you know, and it feels like some of the opinions out there are very wide ranging, but I mean, I think you have, there's, I couldn't imagine him not being a very high quality interior offensive lineman for a very long time. Right. Uh, it's just so, I like him, I liken him to what Brandon Scherf has become for the Redskins. Sure. Scherf was never really worth that fifth overall or whatever it was, but Scherf is just now just, just a very good guard. Who causes you no problems and like you know maybe will make the pro ball in his better years flawless. Yeah, and I think he was even more athletic than I thought he would be. I thought you know so yeah. that's that's actually good. Anything else here on this offensive line class before we let everyone go? Caleb McGarry. Yep. Jumped well, ran well, better mover than I thought he was going to be. I have been told that there are area scouts who have him as an end of round one, early round two grade. This is a guy who could be going earlier than we think in a tackle class with a lot of names. Great day for Caleb. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks, Ben, for hopping in and filling in for Kyle as he writes the greatest mock draft the Draft Network has ever seen. Read it. Yeah, what's I haven't read it yet, so it's actually because it's being produced right now. Yes, so, exactly. That's uh, why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to checking that out here. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Leave us that five star review. Kyle and I will be back again for you tomorrow to talk about the defensive prospects and recap all of that, just like Ben and I did for you today. Uh, would encourage you to follow us on on Twitter. I am at the Joe Marino. He is at Benjamin Solak. S O L A K. If you like quirky football takes. It's probably going to be the spot for them. Quirky. Draft Network can be followed at Draft Network LLC. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.